School might be out for the summer, but let's study up on what it means to be a follower of Jesus in our series, Christianity 101, from the book of 1 John. It's the Lord. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me um, this morning again to um, 1 John, the gospel, the epistle, I should say, of 1 John. And this morning we're in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, we're continuing our series of messages entitled Christianity 101 as we've been looking at the basics of the Christian faith and way of life as given to us through the Apostle John. And as I've been saying, it's like he's teaching um, a course, a very basic course on what it means to, to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, what it is we believe, and how it is we live our lives. And so this morning, we're in 1 John chapter 4. I'm reading for us verses 1 through 6, if you'll follow along. And so the Bible says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. And so, Father, this morning we pray. I pray, God, that you give us ears to hear what your spirit wants to say to us. God, that you would strengthen our faith this morning, that we might live our lives, God, according to your word and according to the truth of your gospel. And we thank you for this. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, when it comes to truth, people can become so mixed up, can they not? Just so mixed up. You know, like the woman who said to her pastor one day, according to my horoscope, this is a good week to preach against false doctrine. Or the man who came into my office one day and he was telling me a wonderful testimony of, of, of what God had done in his life. And just before he leaves and I had a big wood desk, he goes, God is good. And I go, oh, God is good. Knock on wood. I remember years ago speaking to my Jewish grandmother and she told me as we were driving, I, I can distinctly remember heading into the tolls to go across the George Washington Bridge. And she says, you know, I could never believe in Jesus as Messiah because of how I was raised. She said that she would feel as if she was turning her back on her parents and on tradition. And I asked her the question, but Grandma, what about truth? To which she had no answer. We're in a political um, climate right now as we move towards a presidential election, other elections, but it's been this way for so long. You know the way it is that too often candidates put their spin on the facts, telling half-truths or using facts to create an appearance of what they want us to believe, what is true, and so it's important for us to do some fact-checking sometimes, is it not? 
And all those social media posts that you have coming through your feed, they can often sound so convincing, but if you read between the lines, you find that they're filled with maybe falsehoods or even just one side of an issue, often telling people what they want to hear and building their base. You see, we live in a time when truth is secondary. People are more concerned with what works than they are with what is true. They are more interested in what makes them feel good or what the most popular sentiment may be than they are with truth. In fact, many have come to believe that there is no absolute truth, that all truth is is relative, that your truth is as valid as my truth, even if they conflict with each other. But the Bible tells us that truth is very, very important. Jesus said, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Jesus is called the way, the truth, and the life. The book of Proverbs says, Proverbs 23, 23 says, Buy truth and do not sell it. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, 30, I have chosen the way of truth. Psalmist wrote in Psalm 25, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. In church, especially when it comes to our faith in Jesus, we want to make sure that we hold on to the truth. And that's what John is writing to us about here in this portion that we read. In fact, John comes back to what he wrote earlier in his letter in chapter 2, verses 18 through 27, which we looked at a few weeks ago. John's writing, you'll find as you read his epistle, is often very circular. He touches on a subject. He kind of leaves it for a while, and he comes back to it maybe with new insight, a new challenge, new perspective. And so in chapter 2, we saw how he gave a warning to the church regarding false teachers who could potentially lead them away from the truth of the gospel and thus away from Christ. And there he highlighted, if you remember, our need to rely upon the Word of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he gave us a warning not to be duped, not to be led astray by these false teachers who had even once been part of the church. Apparently, this concern for the church regarding false teachers and their teachings was very, very important to John. And thus, after teaching on love, which he's going to come back to again, He segues back into talking about truth and continues his warning. In fact, he connects the two. um, In fact, we read here, if you go back to the end of chapter 3, he's been talking about love, and, and, and he says, and this is his command to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. And the one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gave us. And he simply goes on to say, and dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test, test the spirits. He says, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Again, John is, is, is sharing something very basic regarding the Christian faith and Christian way of life. He was very concerned with the church of his day because all these false teachers were rising up and people coming with all kinds of theologies and new revelations and new spins on the gospel. And so he highlights for the church the importance of truth, believing the truth, holding on to the truth that is the truth of the gospel message. And so I want you to look with me this morning. And what John says in these verses, and the first is this, he says to us, just pretty straightforward, he says, put everything to the test. Put everything 
to the test. You know, I kind of joke, but, but when my kids were little, I mean really little, and they're growing up, they thought that I could speak like all these languages, like multiple languages, because I could say good morning in English, Calimera in Greek, I could say buenos dias in Spanish. Now I've learned bon dia in Portuguese, anasio in Korean, you know. I could throw out a little word, a little phrase, you know, in all these languages. And, and, and my kids believe, like, I could speak all these languages. Of course, they soon found out that all I knew was, like, one or two words, right? But you know the way it is with little kids. Like, children often believe whatever their mother or father says is true. They have no means to filter, no guide, no standard. And so, yeah, they believe in Santa if we say Santa is true or the tooth fairy. Or they believe that their father is a, was a great war hero. We accept it all. They accept it all as true. But, of course, not so as they grow. After a bit, they become a little smarter, a little wiser. They learn how to assess truth from falsehoods and myths. And John says to us, listen, don't be like little kids who just accept every teaching or every prophetic word that comes along as true. But everything must be subjected to scrutiny. And so he says, test the spirits. And the word that he uses there is a word that, that was used in the Greek language for the testing of the purity of metal. One person put it this way, that John is saying, Put them to the acid test of truth as a, as a metallurgist does his metals. If it stands the test like a coin, it is acceptable. Otherwise, it is to be rejected. In other words, check it out very, very closely. Examine it. Study it. Put it through tests. Study it under a microscope like a scientist might do. But whatever you do, don't just accept it at face value just because someone else says it's true, just because they're a famous Christian leader or have a big following or a big ministry or people are, are applauding them. You see, John makes it very clear that this is important. Why? Because, you see, when it comes to doctrine, we need to learn how to discern between what is true and false we must apply the test because he says between, behind every teaching, behind every revelation, every prophetic word, there's a spirit. And it's either the spirit of God or the spirit of a demon. Do we hear that, church? There's a spirit. And John is very black and white. Sometimes we don't like that, right? We want to stay in, in gray areas. But John is very black and white. He says this, the spirit of God seeks to lead people into the truth of God's word and into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Demonic spirits seek to deceive people and lead them away from the truth because as they, as they, as they move away from the truth, they're, um, they're um, moving away from Christ. And these false spirits, they offer what sounds like truth, that often, oftentimes they come close to truth, but ultimately it's not the truth. Paul put it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. He says, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. And he's talking to the church. Listen, I know that we don't like to, like, judge people, especially in the church world. And we want to think our best about everyone. I know I do. Like, I want to think my best. Like, oh, that person is really just doing their best. But John's point 
is that ultimately our battle is not against people or teachers themselves. It's a spiritual battle. And we are fighting against spiritual forces that are seeking to destroy people's lives, to destroy our faith, to destroy the church, and to, and to turn people from Christ. In fact, in verse 3, John calls this the spirit of the Antichrist. His point is that the fact that false teaching is alive in our world is evidence of the fact that the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work in our world. He spoke of this back in chapter 2, verse 18, when he said, Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard, as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. And he's referring to the false teachers. And thus, you see, church, we cannot just accept anything and everything we hear, no matter how spiritual the person appears to be or how spiritually enticing their message might sound. It all must be, John says, put to the test, understanding that behind it all, there are spiritual forces at work. And I would say this, that especially in the environment in which we live, a day in which new teachers receive so much exposure, and their teachings can spread so rapidly. A day in which all kinds of spiritual thoughts become popular so quickly. A day in which people, they so easily combine um, the teachings of, of Scripture with all kinds of other philosophies and teachings. Listen, we must put everything we hear to the test as we seek to determine what is from the Spirit of God and what just might be from false spirits. We put everything to the test. And so how do we do that? Well, John says, and this is our second point this morning, well, we just simply test everything against the gospel message. Just test everything against the gospel message. You see, whenever you give a test, there has to be a standard by which to grade that test to see what passes, what fails, what are the right answers, what are the wrong answers. In this case, John's, John's highlighting this throughout his epistle. That standard is the gospel of Jesus Christ as handed down to the church by the apostles themselves. And John shows us that this objective standard of doctrine, this gospel message as given to us by the apostles, written down for us in God's word, that ought to be the acid test for what is true and what is not true. Basically, the test is whatever is taught about Jesus, whether or not it is in line with, as John says in chapter 2, what you have heard from the beginning. Everything gets tested according to what you have heard from the beginning, that very, very basic gospel message. You see, in John's day, again, there were all kinds of teachings concerning the person of Jesus. All these teachers were coming up with new revelations and new ideas and new gospels. And in John's day, and John highlights it here, there were those who denied the humanity of Jesus as the Christ, as, as the Messiah. You know, it just seems so unspiritual to think that Jesus would come in the flesh, that Jesus would be tempted as we, we are, and so forth. And so they denied that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. But later on in history, there would be those who would deny the divinity of Jesus. 
There would be and still are those who, who make Jesus a mere appendage to the gospel. Throughout history, all kinds of doctrines and theologies and opinions and new revelations and so forth would arise concerning the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Some saying, oh, he's a good, he was just a good man. Some would say he was one of many prophets, a moral example, a spirit, one of, of, of many sons of God and so forth. But John reminds us that the true gospel is the one that's been passed down to us by the apostles themselves. The message about Jesus Christ, the divine son of God, becoming completely human, taking on humanity, taking on flesh, sent from God to live and to die as a man and to be raised from the dead in the flesh in order, in order that he might be our savior. It's a very Christ-centered, simple, and straightforward message, is it not, church? A very straightforward message. And there are so many places in the New Testament where you could say, wow, that's the gospel in capsule. You know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him, they would not die, but they would have eternal life. Oh, I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, where he says, listen, this is the gospel. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. It's the gospel. Jesus Christ, the, the preexistent Son of God, taking on humanity and again, living and dying and being raised again in the flesh, paying the price for our sin, ascending to the right hand of God the Father. Listen, church, listen to me today clearly. The gospel message is, first of all, all about Jesus Christ. All about Jesus Christ. Divinity becoming humanity. And John says that any teaching that strays from the original teachings about Jesus teachings that originated with Jesus himself, it's from a false spirit. For the true gospel is always focused on Jesus. Not on this experience or that experience or this new revelation and that new. It's always focused on Jesus. And I want to say this to us as a church, Assemblies of God, Pentecostal believers, that we as Pentecostals, we have not always been so careful. For we have had a tendency to become so experientially oriented and we just kind of want to go with the flow that unfortunately we have allowed many false teachings to come through our Pentecostal circles. And we see them on the fringes. You hear them on the radio, television, the internet. But listen, our early founders, the early Pentecostals, they were people of the word and the spirit, both. Everything was judged according to the word, according to the gospel message. And everything they experienced from the Holy Spirit, you read the early writings, right? It was all about, yeah, you know what? The Holy Spirit came, filled me. I spoke in tongues, but it was all about Jesus because I became more and more enamored with Jesus. I became a better follower of Jesus. The gospel message came alive within me in a new way. And so, listen, we need to be careful. 
Every teacher you hear, every preacher you hear preach, every prophecy you hear uttered needs to be put to the test. And how do we do that? By judging what they say about Jesus and about the gospel message as given to us from the beginning. We have to ask, is what, be, is, is, is what is being said, is it focused on Jesus? And any new revelation of Jesus is not and cannot be true. Any teaching that opposes the gospel message as given to us by the apostles comes from the spirit of the Antichrist, John says. Any teaching or so-called spiritual experience that distracts from Jesus cannot be from the Holy Spirit because Jesus himself said the Holy Spirit always brings glory to Jesus. Not like, oh, I want to go have this experience. I want to laugh. I want to roll. I want to fall. I want this. I want that. I want, I want spiritual goosebumps. No, no, no. I want to be a better follower of Jesus. I want to come to know Jesus in a deeper way. I want to love Jesus in a better way. And so when we hear teachings that lead us into non-biblical experiences or get us caught up in all kinds of things or distract us from Jesus or teach a different Jesus, we need to understand that there's a spirit behind that teaching, a spirit of antichrist. It's a false teaching. And it's not the truth. Now, I know all of this sounds very hard and maybe even scary to some of us. Like, oh, my God, like, how am I ever going to do this, right? How am I going to be able to decipher truth from falsehood? But John, I, I just love John because he always gives us a word of encouragement. In the middle of, like, all the, like, tough teaching he gives to us, he gives us, like, a shot in the arm, like a little boost, right? And notice what he says in verses 4 and 5 here. Let me read it to us again. He says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome, have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. See, again, it's only natural that when, as we read John's teaching here that we might become a little bit overwhelmed. How in the world can we do this? How would we keep ourselves from being duped into falsehoods when these people out there, they sound so spiritual and they're able to mix truth and falsehood so like intricately that it's hard to decipher it all. After all, so many people, even good people throughout history, have believed all kinds of falsehood, believed and, and convinced so like deeply that something was true that was not. I mean, people for so many years believed that the world was flat. Were they bad people? Or they believed the sun rotated around the earth. There have been those who believe like, that idol, well, he's really a god and has power. There are those who believe that Jesus is just... One of many gods. But John gives to us a word of encouragement, just like he did back in chapter 2. You remember in chapter 2, he said this, but you, followers of Jesus, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. In other words, you don't need to go looking, like we spoke about a few weeks ago, you don't need to go looking for another anointing, another truth, as a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you already have the anointing of God, the Holy Spirit working in your life, the one whom Jesus said would help us know the truth, and you've already received the truth. 
And here again, he says, you dear children, chapter four, verse four, are from God, have overcome them because the one who's in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Who's in you? He tells us it's the spirit of truth. In other words, listen, you and I don't need to be afraid. We don't need to live our lives constantly looking over our shoulders and, you know, another demon that's coming at me with something false. But if you're a true follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you, the one who's greater than any other spirit. And as long as you continue to stand on the gospel message and rely on the Holy Spirit, you'll, you'll be able to stand against that which is false. You'll be able to live in the truth. You know, as John is saying to us, listen, just stay where you are because here's the thing. You're already on the right team. You're already on the right team. If you've put your faith in the gospel message, you've given your life to following Jesus as presented in the gospel message, guess what? You're already on the right team. I mean, John has said to us, listen, there's there's basically just two teams, those who belong to God and those who are of the world. There's, There's two teams. And his point is that if, again, if you have put your faith in the gospel message and thus have the Holy Spirit within you, right, you don't need to fear falling into false teaching. You just need to hold on to what you already have received and believed. Just stay where you are because you are on the right team. You are on the right team. So don't get caught up. Don't get caught up in all kinds of stuff. Just kind of stick to the truth and continue to live in the fullness of the Spirit. And listen, church, don't get bored. You know, there's a lot of Christians that get bored with the basics and the simplicity of the gospel, and so they have to go running around looking for some new spiritual goosebump, and they open themselves up to all kinds of false teaching. Don't get bored with the gospel. Yes, it's a basic message. It's a simple message. But as we put our faith in Jesus, he comes into our lives by his spirit. He fills us. He helps us. And he gives to us the promise of eternity. Just stay on the team. Just stay on the team. And so we need to remember this morning the importance of truth. The truth that's been handed down to us, the truth of the gospel message, the truth of who Jesus Christ was and is. And we need to recognize that truth is not based on personality. It doesn't matter who it is, how big the name, how good he or she sounds, how charismatic they are. Something is not true just because it comes from a particular person. And truth is not based on popularity. Just because a lot of people accept it, just because there's a crowd applauding. In fact, the Bible tells us that as time goes by, people in general won't be interested in truth, but they want something that tickles their ears, the Bible says, or something that makes them feel good. That seems to be where we are today. If it makes you feel good, man, man, I'm going there. I'm going to listen to that guy or whatever it is. And truth is not based on experience. Listen, people can have a variety of spiritual experiences. You talk to people out and out around you, and everybody's spiritual. Oh, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And many people have had all kinds of like spiritual experiences. But those experiences alone cannot be used to divine, define truth. Why? Because experience can be deceiving. Our perception, and it can even happen in the church, 
But our perception of what is taking place may be tainted by our own leanings, our dispositions, our personalities, our emotions, our desires. And the enemy can use experience to deceive people into believing something that is not necessarily true. But rather, truth is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ as passed down to us from the apostles themselves. Let me just say one more thing, and that is this. Lest we um, miss some of John's point. Because John's been, he spoke about truth, he spoke about love, he's back to truth, he's going to speak about love again. And the fact is, you can't have truth without love. There's a lot of people, they want to just ram truth down someone's throat, if you know what I mean. But John kind of shows us the way he weaves it all together, that truth and love go hand in hand. And it does no good to attack people in the name of truth, just shout out truth from a Facebook post, whatever it might be. As one person wrote, truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. And in the end, in the end, John calls us to learn how to love and to learn how to be people of truth. To recognize a spirit of truth from a spirit of falsehood. Why? Because it's by believing in the truth of the gospel message. The truth of who Jesus Christ is. And what he came to do that you and I go from spiritual death to spiritual life. That we are born again. That we receive eternal life. That's the importance of truth. And if you're here today in this house or maybe you're online somewhere. And you've not yet come to know Jesus and receive the gospel message that tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the the son of God, the divine son of God. He came to this earth taking on flesh, living as a man, dying on a cross, being raised again in the flesh and ascending to heaven. And if you've not yet accepted that truth and said, Jesus, I put my faith in you that you have paid the price for my sin, that you are the Savior of the world and you proved it by your resurrection. So I give my life to following you. I receive that gospel truth today. If you've not yet taken that step, I encourage you today, receive the truth. Put your faith in the truth of the gospel. Put your faith in in who Jesus is and all that he has come to do for you. And know that as you do, God by his spirit will take you from death to life. God by his spirit will change you from the inside out that truly you will be born again. and You'll be able to go on to live a new life. Will you bow your heads with me and will you pray? Father, this morning I pray for your people individually, as families, as a church, praying, God, that you would help us. Lord, that we would be able to discern between the spirit of God and the spirit of falsehood that's so prevalent and alive in our world. That you would help us to be people who just stick to what what we have received and live out all that you've done for us is we have put our faith in Jesus in this gospel message and have come under the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, 
Help us, Lord, that we might stay where you've placed us and live the way you've called us to live. And Father, I pray for protection around your church, God, as many false teachers and antichrists will rise up, but that you would protect your people. Put a hedge around us. Put a covering over us, oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Protect this body, Shrewsbury First Assembly, from those who, who even among us might rise up as they did in John's day and bring something that is false. Lord, I pray for those today that maybe, or they've not yet taken a step of faith, but today they, they realize how much they need you. They need your saving grace at work. They need the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would touch them, that you work in their lives, that you would draw them to yourself, that the truth of the gospel would come alive within them. So we thank you this morning in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.